I don't care uh, how well you provide materially for your family, but if you are not a person of faith, you're not going to be able to be for your family what they need you to be. Preaching the old-time gospel with a fresh anointing to to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. Providing food, clothes, and a home for your family is a good thing. But if you miss the long term, if you miss the spiritual, if you miss the eternal, then you've missed it all. Today, Brian Tyndall brings a special message for fathers based on the example of Noah in the book of Hebrews. Why did Noah build the ark? The Bible says, for the saving of his family. So turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 for a message entitled, Building an Ark for the Saving of Your Family. Here's Brian. I was reading the other day in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the great chapter of faith, because It speaks about many people out of the Bible, one person after another, and it talks about what they were able to do through faith. And when I got to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, I read these words. It's talking about Noah out of the Old Testament. Noah, who built a great ark, a great ship, when God was going to destroy the world because it had become so wicked. And uh, he told Noah to build an ark. And Noah spent many years, he and his family, building that ark. And when I got to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, I read these words about Noah. It says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness by faith. Now, one of the things that stuck out to me as I was reading that passage of Scripture, because I've known the story of Noah most of my life, even as a small child, like many of you. Uh, I went to Sunday school, I went to vacation Bible school, and I heard about Noah building the ark. And in my mind, I had always pictured that Noah was building this ark primarily so he could save all of the people that were out there that could be protected from the flood that God was going to send. And so God had him building an ark so he could protect all of those people. And I do believe that was one aspect of why Noah was building the ark. I believe God did want those people to listen to Noah. I believe God did want those people to repent. And I believe that God would have allowed many of those people, uh, all of those people that would repent and turn to him in faith to have gotten on the boat. But this is the thing. In the passage of Scripture, it does not say that Noah built an ark by faith for the saving of the world or for the saving of other people. It says in this passage of Scripture that Noah was moved with fear, reverential fear for God, and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And that got me to thinking about the fact that Noah spent all of these years, many years of his life, preparing, building an ark, and then God used that ark that Noah had built, that Noah had prepared, to be a source, to be a means of saving Noah and his family, his wife, uh, his three sons and their wives. He used this ark that Noah had prepared as a type of salvation for not only Noah and his wife, but for his entire family. And I began to think, are we today, especially as men, as fathers, as husbands, 
Could it be said of us that we are building an ark for the saving of our families? And you might say, well, Brian, uh, we don't need to build an ark because uh, God has promised that he's never going to flood the world again. And uh, so there's no need to build an ark. That's not what I'm talking about. Noah built a physical boat. He built uh, a ship, an ark, because a flood was coming that his family needed to be saved from. But, you know, the Bible says that you and I need to be preparing for our family as well, that we, uh, God, just like he warned Noah of things that were to come in his life and in his family's life that he needed to prepare for, God has also warned us of things that are coming that we are going to face, that our families are going to face, that our children are going to face, our grandchildren are going to face. And I believe that as the leaders of our families that God expects us, just like he expected Noah to spend his life building an ark for the saving of his family, I believe he expects us, men and husbands and fathers in particular, to spend our lives building an ark for the saving of our family. Now, this message isn't just for men. I believe this is equally true of women and mothers. I believe that this is equally true of grandparents. I believe that any of us as adults that have families, that God expects us to live our lives in such a way. He expects us to live our lives in obedience to him. He expects us to live our lives in anticipation of eternity. And he expects us to live our lives in such a way that we would build an ark for the saving of our families. You know, the word family means a lot of things to different people. Uh, traditionally, if you go back as Christians, uh, when we think of family, we think of God creating the world in the book of Genesis, in the beginning of time. And we know that God created two people, Adam and Eve, and he brought them together and he made them one flesh. And from them, all the people of the earth came. And so we know that uh, God is the one that created mankind. God is the one that initiated marriage. God is the one that initiated family. God is the one that initiated children. And he says that they are a blessing and a heritage from God. And yet through time, uh, and the fall of man and sin in the world and Satan's deception uh, over man as we have lived in the world, we have come to view as a society family in a very different way than God had planned for it to be. For example, you know, I said traditionally, biblically, we think of a family, a biblical family, as being one man and one woman that have come together under God and before God and entered into a marriage relationship. And then as God blesses them with children, that man and that woman that are living together in a right relationship before God as husband and wife are then rearing their children in the eyes of God. And they're seeking to do that in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord. That's what we traditionally, biblically think of as family, uh, as Christians. And yet I want you to hear a few statistics that will tell us that uh, the modern-day family is very diverse. The modern-day family, in many cases, is very different than what we think of biblically. The reality in the United States today is that less than 20% of households would meet the model that I just described of one man and one woman married, living together, rearing their children in the admonition of God, less than 20% of the households in the United States would look like that biblical model. 
in fact, uh, households, families in the United States have become very diverse. I will give you an example. While only 20% of households would look like that biblical model, uh, statistics tell us that over 35% of households in the United States are single households. They're made up of single people living by themselves as adults without a married partner and without children. 35% of the households in the United States look like that. Another uh, type of family that is growing, a type of household that is growing in the United States, around five to seven million households in the United States are senior citizens that are raising their grandchildren because their children either can't or won't raise their own children. And so we have five million to seven million senior citizens in this country that have households that have families that are rearing their grandchildren. Uh, and that, and that's a huge and fast growing aspect of our society. Another group that is growing maybe faster than any other group is a demographic of homosexual households. Uh, if you look across the United States and you look one state after another state, homosexual households, those that identify uh, themselves as homosexual and they're uh, living uh, with partners and making up families and households, they are growing at a rate of 100 to 700 percent in almost every state in the United States. And so family and households, homes in the United States are becoming increasingly and increasingly uh, diverse. And we know that. We know that by just living in society. We know that by looking at the news at night. We know that by observing the things that are going on around us in the world. Families are going through radical change. The idea of family, the idea of marriage, the idea of what it is to be a home, all of those things are experiencing radical change. We have heard for years, and the statistic still holds, that somewhere around half, around 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And that's been going on for years and years and continues to this very time. And there's nobody that understands how much divorce impacts family and impacts children and grandchildren than those that have actually gone through divorce themselves. That's not to say that God can't heal. That's not to say that God can't still help us to have good families, godly families, blessed families. But what I'm saying is this. We see that when we look at the model that God has given us in the Bible of what family is supposed to be, one man and one woman married in the eyes of God, rearing their children, we see that that has been hurt. We see that that is being destroyed. We see that that is being eroded in the country that we live in. In fact, the statistics tell us that half of all the children in the United States will live without one or more of their parents uh, during the first 18 years of their life. Now, I want you to just think about that statistics. Half of the children born in the United States at some point during the first 18 years of their life when they are being reared will live without one or more of their parents for some lengthy period of time. I'm telling you, the landscape of families is changing. A third of all of the births in the United States last year were to unmarried mothers. Uh, that's a staggering statistic. 
when you think about one out of every three children that are born all across the United States, regardless of race, regardless of socioeconomic background, regardless of any other factor, one out of every three children born in this country are born to unwed mothers today. And in certain aspects of society, that figure is much higher. I was listening to one of my uh, favorite African-American pastors the other day, and he was sharing a statistics that, that in the African-American community, that statistic is over two-thirds, while nationally, one-third of all children are born uh, to unwed mothers. In the African-American community, it is over two-thirds of the children that are born are born uh, to unmarried mothers. And so we see that in every aspect of our society, the family is going through radical change. The family is under attack. The family is being assaulted. And I believe the reason that is, is because Satan realizes that the family is one of our most important assets. The family is the very building block of society. It's the very uh, heartbeat. It's the very foundation of our country. And he knows that if he can destroy families, then he can destroy our nation. If he can destroy families, then he can destroy our children. If he can destroy families, he can destroy the future of our grandchildren. If he can destroy families, he can literally begin to destroy every other aspect of their life because the family is so critical. The family is so central to every other thing that goes on in my life that if things are not right in my family, it's going to impact every other aspect of my life. We see that through secular statistics, not Christian statistics. We see this through studies that are being done uh, in the secular arena that prove that as the family deteriorates, as the family struggles, as the family begins to fall apart, the traditional Christian family, as it begins to fall apart in society, it has devastating consequences in many other aspects of life. For example, uh, it has been proven statistically that absentee fathers are one of the greatest causes of poverty among children and women in the United States. In other words, there's a lot of children, there's a lot of women in particular in the United States that are living below the poverty level. And one of the main reasons, one of the main causes of children and women to live below the poverty level is fathers and husbands that are absent from the home when they ought to be there. And not only does it affect the economic situation, but it has been proven statistically that when a father is absent from a child's life, when a father is not there on a daily basis in the home, it has been proven that it affects other aspects. The children are more likely to be engaged in drug activity. The children are more likely to become uh, involved in alcohol at a young age. The children are more likely to go to prison. All of these things have been proven statistically uh, as they've done research. And so all I'm saying is this. We need to be concentrating on the family. And I know that there are many people out there that say, well, I'm one of those uh, 80% of families. I'm one of those uh, 80% of households in the United States that don't necessarily look like the biblical model uh, that God set up in the book of Genesis. Uh, I'm one of those families. I'm, I'm in one of those households that doesn't look like one father and one mother living together for a lifetime 
rearing their children, their biological children. Uh, my family doesn't look like that. I've been through a divorce. I have been an unwed mother. I have an absentee husband or uh, I, I'm a child and I have an absentee father. I am one of those uh, senior adults that is rearing my grandchildren. I am one of those single adults that that is uh, older. I'm in my 20s, 30s, 40s, but I have not married. I've not found uh, the partner that God has for me. And I'm one of those 35% of American households that are made up of single adults. You see, I realize all of these things are going on in our society. Here's the thing. God wants to bless our families. God wants to protect our families. God wants to strengthen our families. And he wants to use us to do that. Just like God used Noah uh, to strengthen his family. Just like God used Noah to, to save his family uh, from destruction that was coming. God wants to use us. And one thing that we all have in common, I believe this, we may not all believe the same thing about what the definition of a family is. We might not all believe the same thing about divorce, or we might not all believe the same thing about, uh, you know, fathers being absent from the home, or we might not believe the same thing about unwed mothers. But one thing that I'm confident is that no matter what kind of family you're in or what kind of family you're a part of, you want your family to be okay. You want your family to be strong. You want your family to be blessed. You want your family to be healthy. And what I want to share with you today is so does God. God wants your family to be strong. He wants our families to be healthy. Even if we've gotten off track, even if we've failed him, even if we've sinned, even if we're living in situations that are less than, than what he would have for us, he wants to take our family right where it is. He wants to take our situation right where it is, even if we've made a mess of it, even if we've made mistakes, even if it's not perfect. God wants to take our family just like he took Noah's family, and he wants to lead us and help us to be the agent in our family, to be the catalyst in our family, to help our families to be overcomers, to help our families to be blessed, and ultimately to help our families, and especially our children and grandchildren, to be saved, and not only eternally saved from sin, but saved from the other dangers that face them in the world as you and I know it today. Now, one of the things I asked myself as I read this passage of scriptures that said Noah built an ark for the saving of his family, I asked myself, uh, what kind of man does it take to build an ark for the saving of his family? What kind of man does it take to build an ark for the saving of his family? Because what I want you to realize is Noah lived in a very difficult time. He lived in a very difficult generation. He lived in a very uh, difficult society. You know, I know sometimes we begin to think that, you know, things are worse today than they've ever been. And maybe they are. But that doesn't mean that people out of the past didn't face 
some very difficult times. I mean, you and I, we're rearing our families. We're raising our families in a very difficult time in the world, in a very difficult society. We're rearing our families at a time when, when they're being bombarded in many different directions by evil and sin and hurtful and dangerous things. But I want you to hear what the Bible says about the generation that Noah lived in, the generation that Noah was uh, rearing his children in. It says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and thought of his heart was on evil continuously. Now I want you to imagine that. During Noah's time, this is what God says about what the world was like when Noah was living, when Noah's family was there on the earth existing. God's saying about that time period. He's saying about people that lived during that generation. When I looked down from heaven at them, I saw that their thoughts, the thoughts of mankind, were on evil continuously. Now imagine living in a generation where every person's heart, every person's mind, every person's thought, every person's desire was on evil continuously. And you may say, well, Brian, that seems like exactly the way it is today. That seems like, to a large degree, how people are, how society is today. And I would agree with you, things are pretty bad. But during the time of Noah, they were bad. People were bad. People were sinful. People have always been sinful. Uh, there's always been evil in the world. It's never been easy to live for God in this world. It's never been easy to stay married and faithful to your wife in this fallen world. It's never been easy to rear godly children in an ungodly generation. And yet Noah lived in a difficult generation. He lived at a time when evil was rampant and when people were sinful. And yet he was able to build an ark for the saving of his family. You and I live at a very difficult time in history as well. You and I live at a time when it's not easy to keep our families together, when it's not easy to maintain our marriages, when it's not easy to rear our children in the face of all that society is throwing at them and rear them in a way where they're healthy, whether that be physically, emotionally, or spiritually. It's not easy during this generation to rear children in a way that they uh, grow up and that they're what they ought to be and what they need to be and what God would have them to be. But just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's not possible. Noah lived in a generation that was difficult, and yet with God's help, he built an ark for the saving of his family. And I want you to hear me today. I want you to hear the word of God. I want you to allow the spirit of the living God to speak to you, even as it spoke to Noah and his generation. I want you to hear that you can build an ark for the saving of your family. What kind of man does it take? What kind of person does it take to build an ark for the saving of their family? Well, the first thing is it takes a man of faith. In that verse of scripture that we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, by faith, Noah, it takes a man of faith. Noah was a man of faith. And I want you to hear me today. That's the same type man it takes today. That's the same type woman it takes today. That's the same type person that it takes today. Noah had to be a man of faith in order to build an ark for the saving of his family. And if you and I want to build an ark for the saving of our family, we're going to have to be people of faith. What does that mean? 
It means that we've put our trust, we've put our belief in Christ, in Jesus Christ, and in Jesus Christ alone. We're not trusting in ourselves. We're not trusting in our education. We're not trusting in our money. We're not trusting in our own intellect or ability. We're not trusting in the, in the politically correct generation that we live in. We're not trusting in the government. We're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have put our faith in Him and in Him alone as our Savior and our Lord. We believe that 2,000 years ago when He died on the cross, that he died for our sins. We believe that when he shed his perfect sinless blood on Calvary's cross, that that is the only agent that can cleanse us from the stain and the penalty of our sin. And we're putting our trust in Christ as our Savior and Lord. Noah was a man of faith, and it was only through being a man of faith that he could build an ark for the saving of his family. I ask you today, Are you a man of faith? Are you a woman of faith? Are you a person of faith? If you're not, I don't care how much you love your family. I don't care how hard you work for your family. I don't care uh, how well you provide materially for your family. You can help them to live in the biggest house and you can eat at the finest restaurants and you can drive the nicest cars and you can dress them in the most beautiful clothes. But if you are not a person of faith, you're not going to be able to be for your family what they need you to be. You can provide them everything materially that the world has to offer, but you're not going to be able to provide them the most important thing. You're not going to be able to be a spiritual leader in their life. You're not going to be able to be used of God to be that person that helps build that ark for the saving of your family that you love so dearly. We need to be people of faith. And then secondly, uh, a man that's able to build an ark to the saving of his family is a man that's saved by God's grace. Uh, In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's interesting that this is the very first time that the word grace is used in the Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, and it's in reference to Noah. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God that is bestowed on a person, not because of who they are or what they've done, but it is the grace of God. It is that unmerited favor of God that is poured out on sinful man because Sinful man has confessed sin and repented of sin and put faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. And they're leaning on Christ and they're depending on Christ and they're walking with Christ and serving Christ and worshiping Christ. And they receive the grace of God. Noah was a man that had the grace of God. And I'm telling you, in the world in which you and I live, if we don't have God's grace, And if we don't have what the New Testament says, that not only God has given us grace, but he gives us more grace. He gives us grace not only to be saved from our sins, but he gives us grace to face tomorrow. He gives us grace to deal with this problem, this situation. He gives us grace to find an answer to this problem. He gives us grace to rear our children in a difficult time and in a difficult age. He gives us grace to be able to continue to walk forward in our marriage, even when it gets difficult. Whatever it is that you face in this life, you cannot face it 
adequately. You cannot face it victoriously without the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Noah was a man of faith, and Noah was a man of grace. He had God's grace in his life. And I can tell you today, my friend, I know that you love your family. I know that. No matter what your family looks like, no matter if it's uh, a dysfunctional family, no matter if it's a splintered family, no matter if it's a broken family, uh, it, it doesn't matter what your family is like. I know that you love your family, but we're not going to be able to help our families, and we're not going to be able to build that ark for the saving of our families if we're not people of faith and if we don't have the grace of God in our lives. Notice also that Noah was a godly man, and he had godly character. And if we want to be people that can build an ark for the saving of our family, we're going to have to be godly men and women, and we're going to have to have and exhibit godly character in our lives. Notice what the Bible says. Notice what God himself said about Noah and his character. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Three things that it says about Noah in that verse that show us that he was a man of character, Christian, godly character. It says in that verse that he was just. It says that he was perfect or blameless. And it says that he walked with God. And that's how I know that Noah was a man of character. Because when God looked down at Noah, he didn't see a perfect person. This, this, by this, by the description that we get here, I want you to understand the Bible's not saying that Noah was a sinless person, that he was without sin. The Bible's clear that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible's clear that the only person that has ever lived on this earth without sin is Jesus Christ. And so Noah was not able to build an ark for the saving of his family because he was sinless. He was able to build an ark for the saving of his family because with God's help, he was saved. His sins had been forgiven and cleansed. He had the grace of God shed abroad in his life, and he walked every day as a godly man and godly influence and godly example here on this earth. He was a just man. He, he did what was just. It didn't matter whether he was dealing with his wife or whether he was dealing with his children or it didn't matter if it was in his business uh, or in his work or in his uh, money, uh, dealing with money. He was a just man and we're going to have to be just men. The scripture says he was blameless. In other words, as much as it depended upon him, he sought to be in a right relationship, not only with God, but with other men. He sought to live in such a way that no one could point to him and say, you've done wrong, you're acting wrong, your attitude is wrong, your actions are wrong, your words are wrong. Noah wanted to be a blameless man. He wanted to walk in the ways of God and in the will of God and in obedience to the word of God. And he did that because the scripture says not only was he a just man and a blameless man, but the scripture says that Noah walked with God. He wasn't perfect, but every day Noah got up and his intention was to walk through that day with God. If it was dealing with his wife, if it was 
uh, dealing with problems with his children, if it was dealing with problems with paying the bills or, or problems with his work or problems with his relationships with other people, whatever it was, Noah got up every day and he didn't seek to walk alone. He didn't seek to walk with the evil people of this world. He didn't seek to walk with the politically correct crowd or the majority. He didn't seek to walk in the power of his own strength and intellect, but he sought to walk with God. My friends, I want to ask you today, what kind of person are you? Are you a Christian? Number one, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone? Have you confessed your sin and ask for the forgiveness and cleansing that can only come through Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sin, turned away from your sin, and turned to Jesus Christ as your only hope? If you haven't, then you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, and you're never going to be able to be the person for your family that they need you to be, that you want to be, and that God intended for you to be. Are you a person that is living with the grace of God? And not just saving grace, but more grace. You're living in such a way that God can pour out his grace on you daily. That you can have that unmerited favor of God, that unmerited blessing of God in your life. And then thirdly, are you a person that exhibits Christian godly character? Are you walking justly? Are you seeking to live blamelessly? When your children, when your wife, when your husband, when your family, when your neighbors, when your co-workers look at you on a daily basis and they see that the way you live, they see the way you act, they see the attitudes that you exhibit, they see the words that come out of your mouth, they see the places that you go, they see the desires of your heart, would they be able to say about you, you know what, that's not a perfect person. I mean, he's no angel, he's not perfect, but I can tell you what, that is a godly man. That is a godly woman. They ought to be able to say that. Our families ought to be able to say that about us. Our children ought to see that. They ought to have that, not only as an example, but as a role model in their life that my parent, my father, my mother, my grandparents, whoever it is that is the influential adult in my life, in my home, in my family, they ought to be able to say, that person in my life, that person in my family, that person in my home is a godly person. They're a good person. They do what's right. They act justly. They live blamelessly. They get up every day and walk with God. Do you want to build an ark for the saving of your family? Then be a person of Christian character. But not only that, Noah was also a man that obeyed the word of God completely. Noah was a man that obeyed the word of God completely. You'll remember that when God was going to destroy the earth, he gave uh, a command to Noah to build an ark. He told him the exact dimensions of the ark, how long it was to be, how wide it was to be, uh, how tall it was to be, where to put the door, where to put the windows. He told him what kind of building material to build the ark out of. He told him exactly uh, how many animals to bring on the ark. God gave Noah very detailed, specific instructions about how to build this ark that was going to be used by God for the saving of his family. And there's two verses that tell us that Noah was totally and completely obedient to the will 
and to the word of God. One of those verses is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. It says, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so he did. And then in Genesis 7, 5, it says, and Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. I want you to think about that. God came to Noah and said, because of the evil and sinfulness of mankind, because of mankind's disobedience, I'm going to punish them. I'm going to judge them. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to send a great worldwide flood. And so I want you to be prepared. I want your family to be prepared when I send that flood that's going to punish and judge and destroy the evil people in this world. And I want you to build this huge boat, this huge ark, And he gives them all of these detailed instructions. And it's not going to be easy to do. It's going to take Noah days and weeks and months and years and decades to build this ark and to do all that God has instructed him to do. And yet the Bible says two different times that Noah did everything exactly according to what God commanded him to do. I want to ask you, is that true of you? Is that true of me? When we look at our lives, when other people look at our lives, and most importantly, when God himself looks at our lives, does he see a person that is doing exactly what he has commanded? You say, well, Brian, he hasn't come to me like he came to Noah. Oh, he has. We have the Bible. We have the word of God. The Bible says that the word of God, the scripture is a more excellent revelation of the will of God than any revelation that's ever been given. In fact, the Bible says that the word of God is so sure, so powerful, so unchanging. The Bible says that if an angel were to materialize physically in our presence and tell us to do something contrary to the word of God, that we should obey the word of God and not the angel. Now, here's the thing. The Bible is God's instructions to us. In the Bible, we find everything that God wants us to do and everything that God doesn't want us to do. Could it be said of us, like it was said of Noah, that we did all according to what God commanded, that we followed the will and the word of God perfectly or as perfectly as we humanly could? Could that be said of us? Are we even trying to do that? Are we even reading the Word of God? Are we even studying the Word of God, much less obeying and applying the Word of God in our life? I don't doubt that we love our families, but listen to me today. Our families are under attack. The family unit in America is shaking like an earthquake is shaking buildings. The Satan and evil and the sinfulness of this world is shaking the very foundation of our families, the very foundation of our marriages, the very foundation of our children and grandchildren's future. And one of the only hopes that we have, certainly we have hope in Jesus Christ, that that is our primary hope, but earthly speaking, humanly speaking, God wants to use us as Christians, as adults, as husbands, as wives, as the spiritual adults and leaders in our families, in our households, God wants to use us just like he used Noah, just like he used Noah in a difficult generation to build an ark for the saving of his family. He wants to use us to build an ark for the saving of our family, but we're never going to be able to do that. And we're never going to be people that are capable of doing that if we don't obey the word of God 
completely. And then finally, I want us to see that Noah was a man that lived for eternity. And the only way that he was able to build an ark for the saving of his family was because he was a man that lived for eternity. You say, well, Brian, what's the other alternative? I mean, what is there other than living for eternity? Well, you can't, you could do what most people are doing. Most people on this earth today, most people in America today, they are not living for eternity. They're living for today. They're living for tomorrow. They're living for this world. They're living for physical things. They're living for material things. They're living for sinful things. They're living for fleshly things. They're not living for eternity. And as a result, we have people in the family that are not living for eternity. We have husbands in particular, fathers in particular, that are not living for eternity. They're living for today. We have mothers that are not living for eternity. They're living for the physical, material things of this world. And as a result, Satan is attacking our families. He's killing, stealing, and destroying our families, our marriages, our children, our grandchildren. We're watching the very institution that is most critical to our society. We're watching the, the people that are closest to us and that we love the most. We're watching those people suffer. We're watching those people stray away from God. We're watching those people, in many cases, slowly destroy their lives and their families and their futures and especially their eternities. And one of the reasons that they're doing that is because they're living for the here and the now and the physical and the material and the fleshly and not the eternal. But Noah was able to build an ark for the saving of his family because he lived for eternity. How do I know if I'm living for eternity? Very quickly, let me give you a couple of ways to know. You know that you're living for eternity if you believe what God says about the future and you prepare for it. In that Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says that Noah was a man of faith and that he heard from God and he feared God. He had a reverential fear for God. And when God told him of the destruction and the judgment that was to come, Noah spent his life preparing to be ready for that judgment. You see, a person that lives for eternity, he believes what God says, but he does more than believe what God says. He acts on what God says. And he prepares for the future that God has told him about. My friends, God has not just spoken to Noah about the future. He's spoken to us in our day about the future. We know that this world is not about the flesh or monetary things. The Bible tells us that this world is passing away. The Bible tells us that moth and rust are going to destroy these physical things that we see around us. Uh, the scripture is clear that all of us are going to die physically and we're going to go into eternity and none of us are going to take any of these physical things with us. And if we will stop living for the things of this world and start living for eternity, if we will stop spending all of our time preparing for the here and the now, we're so worried about money, so worried about education, so worried about retirement funds, and there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But if we'll quit spending all of our time worrying about preparing for now and the things of this world and spend some time preparing for eternity, then we'll be able to build an ark for the saving of our family. Secondly, Noah was motivated by reverential fear of God and not by worldly opinions. You see, if you and I 
uh, are more concerned about being friendly with the world, about being popular with the world, about being in the majority with the world, about getting the applause of the world, we're never going to be able to build an ark for the saving of our family. What's going to have to be more consuming for us? What's going to have to become more important to us? What's going to have to become our greatest motivation is going to be a reverential fear for God, that we love God and that we realize he's not only our God, he's our creator, and he's also ultimately our judge, that we're going to stand before him one day and give an account of our lives, give an account of our families. Those of us that were given positions of responsibility, those of us that were given children and grandchildren, and he put us over them, and we did not take responsibility, we did not lead, we did not provide, we did not prepare, and we did not prepare them, we're going to give an account before him. But a person that's motivated in their life by reverential fear for God and not by acceptance of this world, they're a person that can prepare for eternity. Also, Noah was a person that had a biblical worldview and not a secular worldview. And in the world that we live in today, the vast majority of people have a a secular worldview and not a biblical worldview. Uh, The statistics tell us that around 60% of pastors, preachers, full-time vocational ministers, around 60% of them even have a worldview and not a biblical view today. That means that when we think about life and we think about Uh, what's right and what's wrong, when we think about what the answer to problems are, we can either think from a biblical view, we believe what God has said, uh, or we believe what the world is saying. Uh, And so I ask you today, uh, is your view about family, is it a biblical view or a worldly view? Is your view of marriage, is it a biblical view or a worldly view? Your view of abortion, is it on a biblical view or a worldly view? Your your view and, and understanding and belief about child rearing, is it a biblical view or a worldview? Your view about money and materialism and how to spend money, is it a biblical view or is it a secular worldview? All of these things show us where we're at and what kind of people we are and what kind of lives we're living. If we want to be people that can build an ark for the saving of our family, we must have a biblical worldview. That means I don't care what the majority of the people think. I don't care what the majority of people say. I don't care what the secular, what the elitist, what the intellect, I don't care what those people are saying and thinking and teaching and believing. I have one question. And that is, what does God have to say on this subject? And whatever the Bible says, whatever God says, that's what I say. Whatever God says, whatever the Bible says, that settles it for me and for my family. And my friends, if we will begin to live this life, and if we will begin to fulfill our roles in the family with a biblical worldview and not a secular worldview, It'll change, radically and eternally change the direction of our families. And then finally, we know that we're living for eternity like Noah was living for eternity because he became an heir of God's righteousness, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Noah became an heir of God's righteousness, and he left that as a legacy for his family and for his children.
we know that we're living for eternity when we have become an heir of the righteousness of God, not human righteousness, not righteousness that's come from us by being a good person or being religious or doing good works or being a church member. No, I'm not talking about human righteousness. I'm talking about we have received a righteousness from God through faith. Jesus Christ has become our sin, and he has made us the righteousness of God in him. We have put our faith in Christ, and he has bestowed on us his grace. We have put our trust in Jesus, and he has washed us from the stain of our sin through his shed blood. We have confessed and turned away from our sin, and we've turned to Christ And we've been born again by the Spirit of God into the family of God. And we have the righteousness of God. And we are seeking to live righteous lives. And we are passing on to our children a legacy and a heritage of righteousness. My friends, I'm telling you today that our families are under attack. Our marriages are under attack. Our children, those that we love More than any people on this earth, our children, our grandchildren, we love them. We would do anything for them. They are under attack. Satan is working and he's using the things of this world to kill and to steal and destroy in the people's lives that we love the most. And we can be used of God to stand in the gap. We can be used of God to build an ark for the saving of our family, for the saving of our children and grandchildren. And you say, well, Brian, Noah built a physical ark of wood and building materials. What is the ark that we are building? Our instruction manual is the Bible, and our ark is Jesus Christ. And did you know that when Noah built that ark, that it had one door, only one, and God told Noah, when he told him to get on there with his family, that he was going to destroy the earth, he told Noah and his family to get inside the ark. And the Bible says that God himself shut Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives in. God himself shut the door. And he doesn't say that he shut those other people out. It says that he shut Noah and his family in. I'm telling you, my friends, our families are under attack. Satan is wanting to kill, steal, and destroy your family. He's wanting to kill, steal, and destroy your marriage. He's wanting to kill, steal, and destroy the very children and grandchildren that you love more than anything else on this earth. And one of the ways that God is trying to stand against what Satan is doing is he wants to use you and I to build an ark for the saving of our family. And the instruction manual is the Bible, and Jesus is the ark. And if we will walk our family, if we'll walk ourselves and our family with God's help, if we'll lead them and guide them and encourage them and pray them into the safety in the sanctuary of Jesus Christ. He will shut us in to his salvation. He'll shut us in to his eternal life. 
and Satan will never be able to kill, steal, and destroy in our lives, in our families, and among our children and grandchildren. My friends, we can't save our kids. We can't save our grandkids. Only Jesus Christ can do that. But we can certainly be one that leaves a legacy of righteousness. We can certainly be one that is used of God to build an ark that they can enter into. I pray that you'll do that, my friends. I pray that you'll do that, not only for yourself, but for those that you love so much in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Leaving a legacy of righteousness. It's a big vision for your family, and it's possible only if we let God use us to do it. You've been listening to Save to the Uttermost and the teaching of evangelist Brian Tyndall, founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism. Our message today was entitled, Building an Ark for the Saving of Your Family. And if you'd like to hear it again, you can stream it free on our website, uttermostevangelism.org. You know, if we want to save our families, we need to be saved first. And Brian has written a short booklet to help us understand salvation. It's called Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. In it, Brian examines the five aspects of salvation, why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. And we'd love to send you a free copy. So when you contact us, ask for a copy. You can do so by visiting our website, uttermostevangelism.org. Then click on Contact. Or you can download the booklet on the front page. That's uttermostevangelism.org. You can write us as well. Our address is Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. That's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or you can call us. Our phone number is 662-372-1912. That's 662-372-1912. We look forward to hearing from you. Uttermost Evangelism and the Save to the Uttermost broadcast are made possible by the generous gifts and prayers from people just like you. If you've been blessed by this program, would you consider helping us bless others? Your financial gift helps advance kingdom growth. To give, simply click on Support when you visit uttermostevangelism.org or write P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Thanks for holding the ropes for Uttermost Evangelism. And thanks for listening today. Join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through Him. God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.